and welcome to the Clock and Talk, an Arsenal podcast. I'm your host, Tez. Thank you for listening. Thank you for downloading. You can follow us at clockend underscore talk. Uh, Tony, how are you, buddy? I'm good, thanks, you. Yeah, good, mate. Good. Uh, football's been uh, a little bit of a non-existence. A couple of friendly games, mate, and that's about it. Yeah, I've watched. We haven't, I said this last week, but we haven't had a lot of TV coverage over here of the, the friendlies. Obviously, we've had both England games. Um, and then Spain against Tunisia, Germany against both Austria and Saudi Arabia. But that's pretty much it. I mean, it's been available to watch online. I'm actually watching the Brazil against uh, are they playing? Austria game now on a, on a, on a betting website. Yep. So as long, a lot of betting websites, as long as you've got money in your account, you can watch pretty much most, game, most games. So that's how I've pretty much had to watch a lot of the football. And as we're recording this podcast, for those um, who follow us on Twitter, Tony is watching this game with um, <laughs> with the hope that Brazil do get the victory up, eh, mate? Schwinn, how are you, buddy? Uh, doing very well, thank you, thank you, and glad to be here. Uh, I've watched everything but football for the last week, it seems like, from, from basketball to hockey to, of course, a, a bit of tennis that's going on right now, so... Uh, we can talk pretty much anything but football. Isn't that what we're supposed to do here? <laughs> we can, mate. <laughs> while, while we're talking other sports quickly, Le- LeBron James, uh, where's he heading to next year? Oh, fuck knows and fuck cares. <laughs> I just wanted that series to go on for a bit longer. <laughs> uh, um, did you watch the finals on the NBA? I, I did, yeah. It was disappointing that it was a clean sweep. You don't expect that coming into you know, the, the finals of the finals, essentially, and... Uh, apparently he was injured coming into the game after the first one or something. So I don't, I'm not sure what quite went on there. But uh, for, for people who live in the D.C. area, uh, they'd be happy that the Capitals won the Stanley Cup. Uh, their first ever, if I'm not mistaken. I'm not a hockey fan by any measure, but that was something that was uh, that was being talked about a lot here in these neck of the woods. And, of course, there's tennis going on right now, and Rafa Nadal is about to win uh, another Roland Garros. So that, that'll be fun. Yeah, fair enough. Um, I'm not happy at all. Who was that? Washington who? Uh, the Washington Capitals, which is the NHL uh, NHL team here in D.C. I think they got an Aussie black player for them. Pretty sure. Wouldn't surprise me. I mean, Alex Ovechkin plays for them, who is a, a legend of the league, uh, but he'd never won anything, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so th- that was that was something that was you know that filled a lot of fans with emotion. Our friend Mike from the Gunners in the USA was actually in Vegas for. For that game, so he got to see history being made as well. Ah, uh, you're seeing him having a little wink first over it. Good on you. Um, he follows them too. <laughs> <right>? <laughs> oh, he he loves them. He loves the Caps. Yeah. No. Um. No, it was good. Good to see him win. That I know absolutely nothing about, so I can't really add much to it. So, um, Tony, we'll get straight into it. Mate, we've got a new signing, and it type of slipped us this week because. I couldn't remember whether we were recording this week, last week, or whether we have mentioned it. Um, you happy with the new song? Yeah, I think for everyone listening, we're obviously talking about Lichsteiner, and there's a reason Tez didn't say it, because he can't. But it seems so long ago now that it seems like we just should have talked about it, and it's a long time has gone by in terms of time, but uh, not in terms of actual life. Uh but yeah, I think it's a great sign and it's good solid backup. Um, I don't expect him to come in and be first team. I don't think anyone does, but it provides real competition. I know people are worried about his age, but he's still, every time I've seen him, he's still got a good engine. He may not be uh, the quickest fullback in the world, um, but he's got a good engine. He can get up and down. 
and the way we play, I know Hector is very quick, but pace isn't really required. He um, uh, you very rarely see Hector beating his man and using his pace. I often say that Hector's quick for nothing. He he doesn't utilize his pace a lot of the time. So, uh, and and we don't know how Emery's going to play. Emery might not need pacey fullbacks. He may need uh, defenders that are that can run a lot and can get up and down, but the pace isn't there an attribute that they require. So I'm happy with the signing. I'm not going to say I'm jumping up and down and, and getting off my seat about it, but I think it's a good, solid signing. Yeah, couldn't agree more. Um, Schwinn, how about you, mate? Happy with the signing. It seems like a lot of people have taken to the skepticism, and I'm, I'm, not, I'm not sure why, because obviously he's not going to be a starting option. I mean, he can fill in for Hector when required and when you know games are coming in twos and threes in a week. But it's obviously a signing that is of depth. Uh, it shows clarity coming from the board that they know exactly what they're trying to do along with Sven and, and Raul. And most importantly, he's an experienced figure. You know, he's won a lot in, in Italy. He's won, what, seven Serie A's back-to-back or some nonsense like that. So, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So I think he, he fits into to the mold of certain outgoing players. You know, the, the likes of Per Mertesacker and... Some of the older players are not around anymore. Even a, a Theo Walcott, who who you would call experienced uh, in the Arsenal way and around the club. So we, we've noticed a, a void, and and we've and we filled it. And to, to to credit Ivan and and Co, I think they've they've done very good business. He's on a free. Um, he brings a, a certain element of steel as well. Uh, a lot of people have been saying that he's been declining, but I don't think we'll need him that often. And it's going to be mostly Europa League and essentially deputizing for Hector. So I think it's a very smart signing. I don't think there's any two ways about it. A um, couple other names that we've been linked to. People are saying Tony Socaratus, Socaratus, something along them lines. <laughs> uh, that deal apparently is done. And what I suppose we're waiting to after the World Cup for announcement or next week? Or do we know what's happening? I, I, I think... I may be wrong, but something along the lines of look, we all know Dortmund are traded on the on the stock exchange, which was the issue we had with Aubameyang. That even though everything had been agreed, they couldn't even confirm that they'd had a bid because then they'd have to announce it to the stock exchange. So with with Aubameyang, it was literally a bid has been received. He sold within two within a minute of each other um, because that the way they have to do it to get around them laws is the last thing that happens is the bid. That would lo- it's, it's obviously confirmed, but officially they can't confirm it. Um, and by all accounts, uh, we're just waiting for. The, I think the German stock exchange is closed for a bit. Uh, mm-hmm. It's in a it's in a, an off period, so the deal can't be announced. Um, by all accounts, it looks like everything's been done, agreed with both the player and the club. Uh, I think Socrates' dad's pretty much confirmed it's all done. But um, until the German stock exchange opens, which I think is sometime in July. I think it may be the 1st of July, then nothing can formally be announced. Okay, fair call. Um, Schwinn, do you know much about this fellow? Uh, from, what I, from what I've seen, of course, it's been in the Champions League, and you know he's, he's a known quantity around Europe. I still have my doubts, because I know a guy who follows the Bundesliga very closely, and he's often talking about it on Twitter, uh, Andrew Thompson, and... That guy knows uh, German football in and out really well, and he was very quick to to raise a few question marks on this. You know, of course, Dortmund are coming off of a a, a very bad season, uh, a below average season for them. But 
even physically, I think there's there's a bit lacking in, in Socrates now at, at this age. I mean, keep in mind, he's about 29, if I'm not wrong, maybe going on 30 later this year. But th- I do have my reservations, and it's all down to where he plays, what's his role. Uh, is he going to be a starter with Koscielny out? Or are we looking for someone else as well? I mean, of course, we were linked with Soyuncu, which uh, there hasn't been a lot of movement on that, or at least that I've seen. So as a, as a deputy, again, to someone uh, sit on the bench and, and come in every now and then when games are coming hard and fast, I wouldn't mind him. But if, he, if you tell me he's going to be starting for us come next season, then I would, uh, I would not be the happiest person around. Okay, um, moving through, Tony, another player we're heavily linked to, uh, Lucas Torreira, um, plays for uh, Sampdoria now in the Serie A, a defensive midfielder, heavily linked to him, um, what's your thoughts on this player and um, would you like him at Arsenal? Yeah, look, I'm not going to pretend I've seen massive amount of him, I've seen quite a bit, um, I, I like what I've seen um, to an extent, I think I've seen a lot of people go on, go a bit over the top and say he's a he's a mix between Santi and Kante, which is like, I mean, come on, give give the guy a chance, don't don't big him up too much. But I, I can see what they mean. He does have a lot of energy. He has very nice feet, uh, similar to Santi. He's also small, which is an easy comparison to make to both of them guys. Um, my, my, one of my concerns, I think he leaves his feet too much. He lunges in a lot. Um, as, as much as people obviously go on about Kante uh, covering the ground and, and breaking up play, you very rarely see him sliding. Um, but look, this is something quite basic that, that uh, Torreira could, could easily learn. Um, but looks like a good player. I don't know, and I know we've got questions coming up on it later, I don't really know how he'd fit in to the system, but then we don't really know what the system's going to be. So mm. I don't know how he would have fitted into a Wenger system, but there's no saying that that system's going to be the same uh, come August so I mean I, I would like him he looks like he's got a lot of raw ability um, he looks like he's already at a good good level and, and can only and can go on to improve and become a, a real good player you know he's going to be uh, tenacious coming coming from Uruguay uh, they, they, they don't make tame players uh, he's only small but as said in the last few years defensive midfielders all the best ones seem to have been small you look at Kante you look at Makalele um uh, there's probably a few others that, that are slipping. There is obviously examples of big ones as well, but in general, small defensive midfielders do seem to be working recently. Um, and he can also his passing range is good, so he can he can create from deep as well. So I think it'd be a very good sign. And for the money they're talking about as well, he's got a release clause of 25 million. It, it get, it's a little bit messy in that they want 25 million up front or 30 million in installments. I think Arsenal are happy with either option. I'm not sure which one they're going to take, but it seems like they've pretty much agreed on that with Sabdoria. Um, the only, from from what I know, I, I could be completely wrong, but from what I know, the, the biggest sticking point is going to be the agents fee because agents typically work on 30%, but I've tweeted a few times this week for people to follow us that when there's release clauses involved, agent fees are always very messy because they feel like they're being undercut. Uh, so, for example, Johnny Evans had Arsenal signed him in in uh, January when we was looking. They were saying valuing him at 20 million, so the agent's fee would have been six million. Um, now his release clause, he, he went to Leicester for three million. By if they would have stuck with the 30 percent, he would have only the agent would have only got 600,000 pounds. So the agent obviously wasn't happy with that. And the reports are, I don't know how true it is, but the strong reports are that the agent got six million out of that. 
or five million, five or six million, I can't remember. And the fee was only three million. So it shows how uh, much of a sticking point agencies can be with release clauses. Mm. So, for example, he would only get uh, 7.5 million euros for Terraria's agent. But if he values him at a 50 million pound player, for example, but just thinks this release clause undervalues him, then he'll he'll want a lot more than that 7.5 million that, that is standard. So I think that's one of the sticking points. I don't think it's a major one, but I think that's the the main issue at the moment from from what I know. Yep, yep. Um, look, on Schwinn, I'm not going to go into much detail, you mate, because you I, I know you don't know a lot about the player. Um, but 22 year old, you know, this guy's. He, he's he's making the national team. Um, if anyone does want to have a look at him, now's your chance this World Cup because he is in the first team. Um, look, a really, really good player. I've seen him about two or three times, only because I follow the league, but I don't follow Sampdoria, so it's only when they play Roma. Um, 22 years old, Schwinn. It's something that uh, looks like you know we're looking for the future and, and this, is this young guy who can take us to the future. He could. Uh, that could be his role coming into the team, but I've not seen anything of him, so I don't even know what sort of a player he is, whether he likes to sit deep, whether he's box-to-box. Uh, so I really don't know where he's going to fit into the team. Uh, from what I've heard a little bit, it seems like he's more of a, a destroyer who likes to sit back. Now, for me, Granit Xhaka would be the one you know who starts for us. So he could be, again, a deputy for, for Granit coming into the season and then slowly growing into that role. But, of course, I wouldn't start him over Granit if, if that's the topic of conversation. Just since you bring that up, and, and it's very hard um, because you don't know much about this guy, but uh, you said you wouldn't start this guy over Granit, and everybody knows that I am a massive Granit fan. Um, but if this guy does take that, defensive midfielder role does this mean Granite's position um, becomes something different it could but I don't think that will be the case under Emery because both the teams that I've seen um, where Emery has uh, had some sort of tactical influence uh, in Sevilla and in PSG albeit they played uh, you know different systems but they were very close in terms of the holding midfielder uh, you had Enzonzi at uh, Sevilla, of course, and you had Thiago Mata at at PSG. So he does like that presence. And we've seen over the last season that Granit has grown into that, that sort of player. He's started positioning himself better, and uh, that has helped him counter his lack of pace. So to completely get him out of the team and throw a new new kid in, I don't think is the wisest decision. Over time, things might change, and especially where things with Aaron Ramsey go are also for consideration because we could switch to a two-pivot system Mm. and let our attackers enjoy a bit more freedom and have another person sit back with with Granit, which will bring a little bit more steel into the game. So again, I've not seen much of him, so it's not possible for me to comment accurately, but from what I've heard, this is how I feel things might go. Okay, and that segues into this one, Tony, with Ramsey and Jack. Um, you know, and, and I'm going to top a throw a fair bit at you here at the moment, so just um, hang with me. So Jack, Ramsey, look, nothing's really concrete there. Um, this uh, Tierra, he looks like it, it may happen, and then, you know, we've got Granite there as well. If Jack and Ramsey go, is this the type of uh, formation we, we, we're looking at playing, or are we bringing another one in as well? I know that's a fair bit to digress through. To, to be fair, I think uh, I was going to butt in when, when Schwimmer was just speaking. I, I wouldn't be surprised if he goes with 
not a flat free, but if he sort of includes us or as one of the attackers, I wouldn't be surprised if he goes. If we do sign a, ter- a Terrera or similar, if he goes Xhaka, Terrera, and Ramsey in the middle, and then uses Lacazette with what we currently have, Lacazette, Aubameyang, and Ozil as a front three, and they all kind of float around. If you look at what he done um, last season at PSG, mm-hmm. he obviously most of the time it was Verratti and Lo Celso along with Motta. Um, there was a few changes to that, but it was there was no ten amongst them midfielders. Um, but then he kind of, I know Neymar started on the left, but it kind of Neymar drifted into 10 and then you end up with Mbappe and Cavani up top. Yep. So it was a bit of a loose system. And I wouldn't be surprised if he, if he does similar with us, if he plays a back four and then a free in midfield of who, whoever it may be, Jacko Ramsey, Wilshire, if he's still there, Torreira, if we sign him. Um, and then probably sort of Aubameyang from the left Ozil from the right and Lacazette as a nine or, or vice versa with Lacazette and Aubameyang but in reality when we put the ball it, it will end up two up top and and, and Ozil in ten which is quite similar to what he done with PSG um, So Welbeck in the bench obviously Yeah look, I think whoever whoever we sign I don't think Welbeck's going to be a starter Yeah yeah okay um, and, and Mkhitaryan by, by yeah, that logic yeah, so that, that... yeah I didn't even think of that one Schwinn yeah yeah, well, I think maybe in games where he wants to be a bit more ball cautious and look after the ball a bit more, then he could drop Lacazette or Aubameyang, play play one of them as a nine, and, and use Mkhitaryan in in the same sort of way. And that way, you look, you still have your three centre midfielders, but you also look after the ball a bit more. You have five players who are easily capable of of playing the ball and keeping the ball. Okay. I think I think that's a very important point because, uh, particularly over the last season, of course, that's when we started recording this podcast. We've been complaining about how Arsene sets up his team irrespective of the opposition. And if we do have to sacrifice Mkhitaryan or Ozil or Ramsey, whoever, right, for a game here or there, for, for tactical flexibility, I think that's that's not necessarily a bad thing. I think not having um, a rigid and, and already set up 11 going into every game week in, week out is is a positive for us. Of course, it will be for the first half, for the first month or so this season because teams will not know what Emery is going to do and that they will slowly catch on. But if we have a rotating door of players, depending on who we're playing, that always keeps the opposition on its toes, and, and that's a good thing, I would say. It's a, um, it's a good scary, isn't it? <laughs> we don't know what's going to happen. Lots of upside, but potentially lots of downside. Yeah. Um, talking about downside, Tony, uh, Fellaini... We were heavily linked to him last week. There were reports coming out of everywhere that um, we were, you know, he was heading Arsenal. Player you want, player you don't want. Um, so, sort of, I think it was all, or a lot of it was agents' talk. Um, obviously, to say Arsenal were interested, it, it gets some attention, oh, as it as it clearly did. Um, yeah. Look, I put a poll out saying. Fellaini for zero or Nzonzi for 40 million which is the buyout clause and what you'd have to pay for him and uh, Nzonzi resoundingly won it I think it's like 82% or something I, I can't remember off the top of my head and I can't be bothered yeah. to go and look at it I but right. Nzonzi won very comfortably I, I would take Fellaini for free over 40 million for Nzonzi if I'm honest I'm not, I'm not a huge Fellaini fan but it would only be an option to give you something different and that much he would do 
Mm. Um, and you do it for free. Look, their wages, he would want higher wages and higher than someone like Fellaini probably deserves. But if it's a free transfer, he wouldn't want any more wages than what Nzonzi would want for, for 40 million. I'm not saying that Nzonzi isn't a potentially better player. I mean, they're, they're different, but I don't think there's 40 million of difference between them. Yeah, it's, um, I don't know. Uh, I think we've hated Fellaini for so long that, that we've just got to overcome that. Um, because I wouldn't, I w- at first I was like, oh, you're fucking kidding. Um, but now I'm, I'm type of, have come to the fact, well, if it happened, it happened. And, and, it, and it's a, a player that I, I wouldn't, wouldn't overly yeah. like, but would get to grow to like. You know, he, he becomes our grub, I suppose. And that's what I was saying to you. Uh, he is a bit of a grub, and I don't mind a bit of a grubby bastard. Um, and I think that's at times Arsenal lacking. Um, uh, Schwinn, what's your thoughts on it all, mate? Couldn't handle it. Really, I really couldn't <laughs> handle it. It's not something I can see myself getting behind. Yeah. I mean, I agree with Tony's logic, uh, obviously, that I would rather not spend $40 million on on a player who's essentially going to be a backup. And I don't think we will pursue that avenue, to be honest. But Fellaini's just one of those players who is really hard to like. You know, you have the likes of a Diego Costa or a Luis Suarez who you instantly take a liking to once they're in your team and you hate when they're part of a different team. But Fellaini for me is is a step further where I don't think I could bring myself to like him. I will eventually, I'm sure, uh, once he's wearing the Arsenal colors, if he's wearing the Arsenal colors. But I don't want to imagine that scenario till the time it becomes reality. Yeah, it's a little bit like that, isn't it? Um, Tony, I just want to get your last take before we move on to some questions and touch on a couple other things. Uh, Leicester City, they took Evans or they signed Evans during the week. Is that a player that we we potentially could have had and would have liked and maybe missed out on? Um, no, I thought it would have been a good player to sign in January, um, but then the price wasn't right. You look at three million, you say, or three and a half, I think they end up here, and you think it's, it's a very good deal. But he's on 120 grand a week. He's 30 or the wrong side of 30. They had to pay five million in agents' fees. So the deal starts to price up, and, and then you start looking at, well, in that case, is, is someone like Socrates a better player? Because the, the fees aren't vastly different. I think the fee for Socrates would be around 17 million. The wages, I believe, are about 100. So over three years, if you're saving 20 grand a week over three years, that's four and a half million. The agent's fee, I don't know what that would be. Uh, so you're looking at probably not a huge amount of difference in transfer in uh, in fees over the course of the contracts. So and you've just got to look at who, who you believe is a better player. Mm. Um, one's got experience in Europe. The other one hasn't for a long time. Obviously, Evans did at Man United, but not for a while and never as a starter. So... I don't know. I think Evans would have been a good buy in January. Now, I'm not so sure. I, I, I tweeted out straight away. I was surprised more clubs didn't look at him for for three million. But then when you find out he's on 120 grand a week's wages, it, it does change things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you, Schwinn, you were happy that we passed on Evans? I'm not sure how I feel about either. I mean, as I said, with Socrates, I, I have a couple of doubts. And not to mention those doubts will stay oh, even with Evans. But I keep considering the financial side. And I know Tony made a point that, you know, it's not that different. But, you know, I, I want to factor in some PL experience in there as well, because I think that's something Evan brings to the table, which obviously Socrates doesn't. But on the other hand, Socrates brings in some European experience. 
But again, I come back to the role. Is he going to are one of them going to start? If that's the case, then then you know uh, I don't think either are the right options. But to deputize, I would feel Evans was the better option just because he would probably end up saving us ten million um, uh, in in terms of fees and and wages and everything else. So it all depends on how much money we have as well. Apart from the role well, uh, these players are going to play. And I'm gonna I'm gonna let things pan out, see how it goes, because we haven't really heard a whole lot that's happening. We haven't seen a whole lot happening at the club, and clearly no one knows what they're talking about when it comes to to Arsenal at the moment. So I'm patient. I'm, I'm gonna let the summer go as it is, and, and then make up my mind at the end of it. Okay, so Schwinn is back on his fence where he loves to sit. Um, Rocketarian, he's a follower or listener of ours. Um, he is going to do a little thing up each week of the in the know accounts and just see where everybody's at. So, and I said, let's throw us in for a bit of interest. So, out of the players that I've mentioned today, Tony, um, who do you see coming in? Uh, so it looks like Terrera is quite close. Um, I'm not. I'm not sure on Fellaini. I also think Kaglar is is reasonably close from reports. So I know you haven't mentioned him, but I'll throw him in. Yeah. And I can't really remember anyone else you've mentioned that I, I thought, oh, we're gonna we're gonna sign them. Yeah. So I think Socrates is is all but done. I think Torreira there's a good a good chance, and also from Kaglar I think there's a good chance. Not as good as Torreira, but but also still a good chance. I think he's he's um. His dad or agent, or it might be both, said that um, the, the, we've struck a deal with the player and it's now just about agreeing with the club. So Fellaini's out? I, I don't know on Fellaini. I think it's a lot of agents talk. That doesn't mean that that hasn't continued to to talking to the club. I, I think he probably has spoke to us, but his agents made a lot more of it than was actually there. And then the papers have, have gone over the top on that. So it's like a double exaggeration. That's okay. not to say nothing's happening. I just think the reports we've read in were so over the top. Okay. Um, now, so we're ticking that box for Rocketeer in that one. Uh, Tierra, Sakharitsis, uh, Fakir, Liverpool. Um, I just want to touch on that quickly, Tony. Uh, there's, there's, look, there's varying reports. Some saying that Leon pulled out... Uh, so, and some saying that Liverpool pulled out. So the two reports I've heard are Liverpool weren't entirely happy with the medical, so they tried to lower the fee, and Leon felt insulted and pulled the plug on the deal. Uh, the other side of the report is that Liverpool weren't happy with the, the the medical and completely pulled out. And then Leon actually went back to them and said, no, take him, you can have him for a bit less. And and Liverpool said, no, we're not interested in, in the player. Hmm. Obviously, no one knows what to believe. Liverpool have got history for pissing clubs off as well. It's, it's something they do very well. But Liverpool piss everyone off. <laughs> um, so, I don't know. Look, I would, it, uh, to me, I see it a bit like Van Dijk, where Southampton said no, no chance we we're ever going to deal with Liverpool. And then in the next transfer window, he was there. I think the difference is with this one is very early in the window. And I wouldn't be surprised if he still ends up at Liverpool. Yeah. Uh, if he has a, a massive World Cup, it's probably the worst thing that can happen to Liverpool because... Everyone knows he's available, and then there'll be more uh, clubs challenging for his signature. But I think I think he'll probably still end up at Liverpool. Um, so Arsenal, you're ruling out? Yeah, I mean, to be honest, I don't particularly want him anyway. And I've said I said that before he was linked with Liverpool. Um, it's not a a bitter thing. I, I, I don't 
particularly think he would suit us. Um, I don't particularly <laughs> think he would suit the Premier League, and I, look, I could be proven wrong. Um, but I, if if I was in charge of Arsenal, if I was uh, Gazidis, Emery, Raul, Sven, whoever, I, I wouldn't be looking at him. Yeah, I don't know where he'd fit in either. I just Mkhitaryan, Ozil. I just I couldn't even think where you'd fit him in for Keir. Um, no. Have we are we linked to any right right wingers? Um, that's uh, like Gelson Martins. We was linked to earlier, but I think that was based on the nonsense story, pretty much. Oh yeah, that was that. Um, uh, yeah, I did see that something about, and then I think I think everybody got the bull by the horns on that one because it was. Um, people were talking about that he's just going to walk away from a contract. And I think me and Schwinn were talking to you about it and going, well, hang on, how, how does a player just get up and go, I'm walking away from a, from a contract? Yeah, that, that's basically it. I think people have gone so over the top there. There was reports that he was looking to cancel his contract along with a few other players. But it just there would be some, either way, even if they cancel their contract, it would go to court and they'd be, they'd be ordered to pay some form of fee, which would be very similar to a transfer fee. Also, I think he has now come out and said he isn't looking to... I think he said he wants to leave, but he's not going to leave via the back door and he won't be won't be attempting to cancel his contract. Um, so that puts that to bed. I'm not sure if we're interested in him, but I think a lot of people linked us to him because of the reported free transfer, but I don't think that was ever really an option. Okay. Okay, so this is the first for the clock in talk. We're actually um, going to try this each and every week, a couple of live listeners or live callers, or live followers, or whoever they are, um, calling in each week and having to talk to them. Um, so we'll start with Texas Gurner. How are you, mate? I'm good, man. How are you guys doing? <laughs> good, mate. Good. Um, what's your question, mate? Um, so my question, uh, my question would be, and we're we're. Can this this discussion uh, it can be it can be Arsenal related or World Cup related? Do you guys have a real yeah, set? Um, was that Tony? Yeah, we're open to whatever. Gotcha. All right. Um, I guess my question is, um, you know, there's there's a lot of talk um, about about different prospects uh, for central midfield for Arsenal and who we need to bring in, who we should bring in. Um, I'm just wondering, are we are we overlooking um, Ainsley Maitland Ainsley Maitland and Niles right now um, with the addition of uh, Leichsteiner, um, Bellerin? You know he now has sufficient backup. You know you have you have Monreal and Klasnach at at left back. You have sufficient backup there. Um, do you do you think we may see a, like a breakout season for Maitland Niles in the upcoming campaign? I'll, I'll go with you first, Tony. Yeah, it's interesting because we've just uh, we've just spoke about um, potential signings and, and looked at a lot of midfielders, and not one of us actually mentioned Ainsley. Um, I do think they are looking to give him more of a first team role this year, but I, I still think we will look to sign players. I think he's more. Uh, if you think we lost, we've lost Santi, and I know it was in uh, in January, but we lost Coughlin as well. So I think Ainsley takes one of them two spots, and I think we sign one player to take up the other one. And then obviously there's potential of losing Jack as well. So I think, I don't think Ainsley will have a first team role as in uh, immediate first team, but I think he'll be around the squad. He'll probably start the cup in the Europa League games in the middle, which barring, even in the Europa League, barring um, 
are in Osterlund's at home when he got dragged off at half time because he was poor. He never actually got a game in, in centre midfield in the Europa League either. So I think he's been upgraded in that sense to, to a centre midfielder, but I think he's still probably fourth or fifth uh, down the pecking order. Okay. Um, Schwinn, what are you, your thoughts on that, Mike? That's it, isn't it? I mean, fourth or fifth sounds about right. And I would say that he had his breakout season this past one just because he showed versatility. <clears throat> excuse me. And he showed a lot of composure for someone his age. But I, I fear that some of this versatility might go against him um, under Emery for now. Of course, uh, we haven't seen how the team will shape up and what sort of roles these uh, these people will uh, occupy under Emery. But I think he's been taken for granted a little bit, especially with the links. And of course, that's all I'm talking on the basis of. I think he's being overlooked a bit just because maybe the staff feels that, you know, okay, if he's not going to fit in here, maybe we can use him there. So that is a possibility, but I wouldn't necessarily blame them for that because you don't want to vest a lot of confidence in a young player that you don't know a whole lot about. So I think the preseason is going to be a good place to look at him because we won't have a lot of our A-listers there. And it's possible that we see Niles a little more than one would expect during that time. And under Emery, we can see how he blossoms and that might decide his fate for the next year or two. In our first segment, Texas Gurn, and you wouldn't have heard it yet because the podcast isn't out, but um, we didn't have him anywhere in the midfields or we didn't even mention his name. Um, Tony, I can't even remember, though, the last podcast we did a couple of weeks ago when we were talking about our loans, ins and outs, and did we say loan for him? Uh, I, I said keep him. I don't know what, I can't remember what anyone else said. Um, I think as well, I'm not sure if it's been officially announced, but I'm pretty sure he's been given the number 15, which suggests he's going to be sticking around. Um, and again, what, what we said earlier, or what I said in earlier in the podcast, is I, I've got a feeling that we're going to go with a sort of free flat midfield or Ramsey and two other centre midfielders and not include Ozil, whereas we usually go 4-2-3-1. So you'd say with the three, it includes Ozil. I, I think we're going to go with a flatter three, uh, which gives Maitland-Niles more of a chance because even if he is fourth or fifth, he's competing for, for three places instead of, instead of two, as he is at the moment. Yeah. Um, so being fourth or fifth for me probably isn't as, as bad as it, as it sounds. But that's just my, again, I'm trying to base it on what, what Emery's done in the past, where he hasn't included an attacking midfielder as part of that three, he's included him as an, as an attacking player. Um, so that is what I expect to happen. But yeah, I definitely said keep um, when we were talking about Maitland-Niles a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, okay. Uh, anything else to add on that, Texas Gurner? Um, yeah, I, I completely agree with that. You know, I think the I think the three in the midfield would would suit him. Um, I've seen a lot of people say that you know he should be our our defensive midfielder. Um, I think it's way too early for that. Um, but you know, I think I think we could see a lot of good things from him uh, this coming season. And I think a lot of I think a lot of people are probably over overlooking uh, overlooking his presence. Yeah, I couldn't agree more, mate. And a player we we um, definitely overlooked when we were talking. So, um, okay, our next caller has come through. Is Addy? How are you, mate? I'm doing good. How you doing? Yeah, I'm good, mate. I'm good. Um, what's your question, buddy? Um, so obviously, uh, Arsenal's left this season, and we've got in uh, Unai Emery. Um, do you not think we've um, scrape the bottom of the barrel um, in terms of elite managers that 
we could have gone out for um, and got in somebody who has a um, a good um, C, a good CV uh, to say, but not a manager that will push us to one getting back into. I think he can get us back to the top four, but pushing us to the big competitions and, and, and big uh, trophies. Tony. Um. I don't believe whoever the manager is, they would they would push us back to to say title challenges in the next two years anyway. Um, I see your point, obviously, about the name, like obviously the the name, but it's working within the system. Arsenal would beginning setting up in in pretty much last summer for this new um, model with a director of football, head of recruitment, a chief scout, and and it being a head coach and not a manager. And I, I don't think too many others would have worked under that and bearing in mind the budget I think there obviously could have been more uh, ambitious appointments there, there looks like there's managers out there that, that were gettable and if you if you believe what Gazidis is saying I, I don't know whether I do that they interviewed nine people and not one of them turned it down that, then it's logical that at least one of them and probably four or five of them would have been bigger names than, than Emery but he for if it's true that none of them turn it down he obviously impressed them the most or fitted into their project better I think the the better question would be: Is the project wrong? Um, I, I don't. From from what I see from the outside, it, I agree that Emery completely fits into what Arsenal are trying to do with a head coach that doesn't get involved in transfers. Um, you got to remember at Sevilla, he had Munchie above him, who pretty much done all that. Um, at PSG, the owners pretty much make all the signings. So Emery completely fits into the Arsenal, the new Arsenal model or project. As I said, I, I think the better question is: Is the project right or wrong? I can't say I'm a huge fan of it, um, but I've got to give it a chance. Um, I don't know if that really answers your question, but it's kind of the best I've got at the moment. I'm just actually, while you're, while you're talking there, Tony, I'm just thinking now, you bring a Conte in, uh, an Ancelotti, I know these guys, Ancelotti's at Napoli now, but um, I don't think an Ancelotti at Arsenal, it'd be just locking heads like Conte is at Chelsea. Uh, look, I mean, for me, Ancelotti's not not controversial, whereas whereas Conte is. So, I think Ancelotti would work in with sort of how he's told. He's he's an older man. He comes across as more more respectable, and he, and he just goes about his job. But as I said, it's this it's this project or or, or model, however you want to word it, that Arsenal mm. are going with. That, that as I said, Emery just falls best into that, and it. For me, I've said on here many times, I don't know how Arteta got himself on the shortlist. It makes no sense to me. But I'm not surprised, having got there, that he was high up on their list of candidates because he would have fitted into whatever model they told him because he's just it would have been a great job for him. It would have been getting so far above his station. So whatever model they told him that they wanted, he would have gone, yeah, 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 that's what I do. Yeah. Um, so, as I said, I, I don't think Emery is a bad appointment within this model, and I was actually quite pleased when we got him. But... As I said, the question is, is the model correct? Mm-hmm. Uh, Schwinn, what's your anything to add there, mate? Not really. I think there's two uh, massive points there which Tony covered very well, so it'd be repetition if I were to speak. Yeah. Addy, um, anything else, mate? Uh, no, I will, just to add to that, like I think I do agree with the project part of it, but then has what what is Casita said on this project, where where does he see us? Is it just to get back into the top four? Um, are we looking to compete? And I think we need to 
okay, cool, we can have a project. But then obviously within those projects, you're going to define goals and you, you're going to de- de- define um, uh, like certain, um, ah, what, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, objectives. Certain objectives, yes, to me at certain times and everything. And it's like, I totally agree you can get in someone that's going to fit this project, but then on the, the grand scheme of things, we want to get Arsenal to be competing with Manchester City. Um, and is it is it going to take two years? Is it going to take three years? And that's why I think that decision of getting Unai Emery in, as I said, I'm, I'm okay with it, but I really wanted Big Matt. I mean, personally, I wanted uh, Allegri. Uh, I, I think he could have come in straight away and, and, and shaken up the team and, and actually make... make make us challenge or I even wanted Maurizio Sarri I don't think his name was mentioned without everything else but what he did in Italy to push Juventus um, uh, to the title in the last couple of games whereas in previous years they were winning it by 10 games and uh, 7 games before the end of the season that would have been a, a name that I would have thrown into it but I can understand with the, the, the project aspect of it but it's just what what do we as a football club want? Where, where everyone saw it wasn't working with Arsenal, and I, I love I love the guy, but it's just now nah, what what are the objectives? And I, and to be fair, I, I want I want to know what the objectives are as well um, from the AGM and everything like that because I I want to I want to track it against whether we're moving forward or whether we're not moving forward. And, and, yeah, I mean, oh sorry, it's your turn. I was just going to say, reading from looking from the outside, it looks like, and I'm sure you'd agree that. The, the objective is to just get back in the Champions League. Um, they're never going to announce what... I, I know what you mean, and look, of course, as a fan, I, I want to know where, where they think they're going, but they're, they're never going to announce it because, like, just speaking from personal experience, my dad uh, went to every game for about 20 years, home and away, never missed a game. And uh, just before Bruce Rioch was appointed, uh, the club came out and said, oh, we're not really going to challenge for a while. It's not... We're just in a sort of rebuilding phase. And... Uh, that was what led to him. I mean, like he's still an Arsenal fan and whatnot, but that was what led to him giving up his, his season ticket. He thought, well, if, if they can't be sort of, if they're not even going to try and compete, why am I going to spend thousands of pounds or however much it cost him and, and travel thousands of miles every year? So clubs will very rarely come out with their, with their true objectives because there's, there's no positives that can come from it. If they said anything but we're trying to win the league, if they don't win the league, it looks like they're falling short. And if they go, oh, we're only challenging for top four, you'll get the people that go, oh, well, top four isn't a trophy. What's the point in it? We're only getting in Europe to, to, not, to not win it. So I, I don't think their true objectives will ever be revealed. Although I'd agree, I completely agree with you. I, I would love to know and, and love to track it. As I said, I think looking from the outside, they're just trying to get back into Champions League. But they will never say that. Well, I was just going to ask, Addy, because we've teed and thrown about this for fucking weeks. Um, at what point, uh, you know, and where do we want Arsenal to finish next season? You know, is it is a top four? Uh, is it type of? Is it good enough for you, Addy, or or is it a is it a league title? Is it winning Europa League? I don't know. As a fan, where do you want us to be? To, to be honest, and as I said, I, I, I said that if if we were going to get rid of Arsenal. We had to get someone that's going to come in and compete. I, I don't want yep top four. This might this might be like totally unachievable, but my my goal for next season we have to compete with City. We finished what 30, 30, 40 odd points 
behind them this year. We have to compete. Hmm. We actually have to compete. And and City's a benchmark. No, and City's it's how do we get? It's, yeah. Uh, yeah, and it's just how do we get as close to City? Um, and whether that's with Unai, like, I, and I hope he has a good season next year because obviously whoever's uh, took the charge, I was obviously we'll all fully support them. But I hope that this project goes well and it's not just okay yeah, get into the top four because yeah so we were we were getting into the top four how many years are under Arsene and we were still complaining so if if Unai comes in we get in, into the cup, top four that I, I'm, I'm not just going to be like oh yeah oh, I'm so happy because when Arsene was getting in the top four I, I, I wanted more I wanted to challenge so, and that's still As the same do. goal that's what yeah we we want to challenge As even, even if we don't win the league. Yeah, we, we want, want to challenge. I want us to challenge. <laughs> yep. That that is it. So that top four for me. you next year. I want I want uh, top four. Yeah, obviously. But if, if we're not going to win it, I want to finish second, and I want it, I want it to be a tight second as well. That, fi- that that's what it's for me. If you finish fifth and won your Europa League, would you no, be I'm I'm not I'm not happy. I wouldn't be happy. Like the same, similar to United fans, they were. Oh yeah, we got into the Champions League. So, but like, I, honestly, I, I wouldn't be happy. I actually wouldn't be happy. No, I, I agree totally, mate. Because I, I, I've said to the, uh, you know, we've had this conversation before, and I think if we're at a top five, and uh, but then depending on where the league finishes, which Tony has pointed out to me before, if you're one or two points behind fourth place or third place. Um, and it's a very tight finish, well, and you finish fifth and win the Europa League, and you've had a pretty good season. Uh, I was a 13 losses away last season, so I'd really like to improve on that one. Definitely. Well, thanks for your call, Addy. Um, okay, um, mate, and call again, please, because that was really good. Um, we've also got one more, Tim from Russia. How are you, mate? Hi, hello, how are you guys? Good, mate, good. What's your question, buddy? Um, I, I have a quite big question. Uh, so my question is, you know, uh, usually people talk about first team and first team football, but I have a question about our future, about our academy. So what do you think? What do you think we're going to wait from next season, from Steffi Mavididi, from Risnell? from Edin Ketia so and uh, probably from Yassin Adli who's gonna come by the rumors you know so that's my question Tony yeah so I'll, I'll start in in reverse order so looking at a deal if it if it is completed which it, it looks to be um, it won't be until the 30, 30th of July which means he won't really get a pre-season with us um, the rumor is that the reason he's chosen us is because he believes he's going to get more, more minutes and more playing time. So I wouldn't be surprised, especially if we we get a weak group in the Europa League, to to see him maybe starting with Ain- with Ainsley Maitland-Niles in the middle, um, or, or maybe further forward with one experienced man alongside them. Um, so I can see him getting a lot of a lot of first team minutes, which is pretty much from what I understand the reason he chose us over some of the other clubs that were trying to sign him. Um, in terms of Reese Nelson, he's still not signed the contract. I know there was that big report, oh, it's going to be done, it's going to be done. But as up to now, he still hasn't. Um, I personally would, if we can tie him down to a contract and loan him out, because he needs more minutes than, than Arsenal can offer him. He's not, he's not strong enough. He's not physical enough. And you can do as much work as you want in the gym. Unless you're competing with these players week in, week out, it, 
you can't quite get to that level. I mean, I know he is a young boy and he has a he has a lot of talent, but at Old Trafford it was embarrassing. And I know Valencia is very strong, Antonio Valencia, but it literally was a man against the boy. Every time he couldn't even use his pace to beat him because Valencia was so strong. The, the difference in strength was so much that Valencia just put his arm out or put his shoulder across and it completely took away Nelson's pace. So he does need for me to be competing at that level. But to loan him out, you'd obviously need him to sign a new contract. Because if you loan him out for a year and he's got signed a new contract, he's essentially gone. Um, similar with Eddie, it's, for me, it's been quite interesting. I don't know if you've had much footage of the Toulon tournament, which is a, an, an international under-21 tournament. But Eddie, in the semi-final and the final, started ahead of Tammy Abraham, who obviously had a Premier League season with Swansea. Um, so, again, I would be loaning Eddie out. Um, but I would look to loan him to someone where he's going to get at least 20 games. I think the problem Tammy Abraham had was that he started off the season and then that was it. He, he fell out of the team. But again, Eddie need minute, needs minutes at this level. I wouldn't even be adverse to loaning Eddie out to a top-tier championship team. You've got to remember, he's only he's only 18 or 19. He, um, Tammy Abraham, again, to use a comparison, had a year at Bristol City and then went on loan to Swansea in the Premier League. So I'd be looking to, to loan Eddie to a top-tier championship or, or a Premier League side where he's going to get minutes. Um, a team that hopefully tries to play a bit of football. Um, but I, I don't know if any Premier League manager would trust him. Um, not, that's nothing against him, but it's very rare that Premier League managers trust young players, uh, especially strikers who are, who are going to, if they score enough goals, keep you in the division. Um, on to Steffi Mavidi. Um, every time he's been on loan, he's not done anything exceptional, which for me suggests he's not gonna he's not gonna be anywhere near the Arsenal first team. I personally don't think he has a future at Arsenal. I know a lot will disagree. Um, I remember saying the same about Tuba Akpom when he first broke through. I never thought he had a future at Arsenal. It looks like now I'm I'm gonna turn out to be right on that one. And look, I hope I'm wrong with Steffi. I hope he's excellent and comes on to be our record scorer and the best player in the world. But for me, from what I see, I don't think he has a future at Arsenal. So maybe another loan to give him that one last chance or maybe now's the time where you think I'm going to cut our losses on this kid. I don't know. But but for me, uh, at best for him, it would be a loan if, if I was in charge. Schwinn, you got anything on that, Mike? I'll speak a bit more in generic terms since Tony covered individual players really well. And I'll, I'll go off of what Tony said at the very end. And that seems to be an epidemic with us loaning players out. Look, when, when you're a part of the academy, I think the, the organic progression is to go out on loan and prove to your parent club that you're good enough to challenge for the first team, come back to the parent club, maybe sit on the bench and gradually break into the first team. I think that's that's the, the progression we've seen so far that has been successful for a lot of players who've ended up going on loan. But what Tony touched on there is pretty critical that we don't do well with loaning our players out, and hence they are in sometimes unable to perform at the level they should. When you, whether you look at Akpom, whether you look at someone more recent in Emmy Martinez, Joel Campbell, you know we've loaned out a lot of players, not just young, but even uh, in someone in their twenties, and they've just not done well. Now, when you when you look at all of these players, there has to be something that is uh, of notice, right? And it just seems like our loaning out policy hasn't worked really well. So in a way, we're just wasting those players and potentially setting them back a year or two, not to mention we're still paying a part of their wages. So there's no winning element that that we're able to concentrate on when we when we loan our players out. 
and that has to be reviewed. There has to be a certain introspection to that policy, how we should be loaning them out, where we should be loaning them out, depending on where players are in their individual careers. We need to use that market better. It seems like we will probably be using the loan-in market if people are to believe the Usman Dembele rumors. Uh, I guess we should also look at the loan-out market and, and see how we can improve on that front. I forgot about that, Dembele. Um, Tim, any any response back to that, Mark? Yeah, sure. Uh, I'm pretty agree with guys, but, <clears throat> you know, uh, the last point was very very close to my opinion so i think we should find loans like uh, chambers to middlesbrough it was brilliant it was cool and it works so if we'll find if we find uh, clubs who who gonna fit our players to to grow them up and to make them better it would be great and uh, the last uh, last actions in the club shows that we're going to work with Academy better. And uh, there are some new signings on the staff, so I, I'm pretty positive about it. Uh, uh, just about Mavididi, he's, <clears throat> he's uh, very nice, but he's a little bit traumatic. And, but, but I hope that he will grow and and uh, be a good good quality player because you know uh, don't forget about Chubak Pom who's just just uh, was just uh, go to Wolverhampton probably and it was a massive fee so so i think that Mavididi going to be first team player or or good uh, good fee player you know that's you my mean, uh, You mean panicophobia? Once again? You mean panicophobia, not tuberacum? Uh, that went to walls. It was panicophobia. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. I, I just messed it up. Yeah, you're yeah, right. No, no, that's fine. But to, to go back on that point, he, he went... I mean, we sold him there a long time ago and then he had to move back up to the Premier League and... and and failed. I don't think he would have had that same fee if he would have just been sitting around in in our reserves or or bench. It's only because he went out and he he got he's had two transfers since we've sold him um, and the loan. So I, I think it's a little bit different to that situation. As I said with Steffi, I I agree with you. I hope he becomes becomes a brilliant player. But just just from what I see, I I, I don't expect him to. And I think his future lies away from here I think it's very rare you see a player who's not made it a completely a thought a club go for go for 10-12 million as Benick did I think that was just down to him going to have time elsewhere he also done very well for Wolves before in the championship um, and then went to then got his move to Bournemouth didn't didn't work for him in the Premier League so then Wolves has taken him back um, and for pretty much the same amount as they sold him for the first time but, um, I think it's a different situation to, to someone who's just potentially not going to make it at our club and then get 10, 12 million for them. Okay, Tim, thank you for your question, but I can't let you go because um, we have you have something huge happening in Russia, and we're all all eyes are going to be glued on your little on your country. Or I shouldn't say little country, but um, on your country, mate. So <laughs> <laughs> give us a rundown. What's happening over there in Russia at the moment? 
Uh, I'm living in Krasnodar. It's south of Russia, and we have a very beautiful new stadium. But, uh, you know, government and FIFA just uh, take the championship from us, you know, and uh, we we won't uh, accommodate uh, World Cup uh, matches, you know. But... But uh, Spain is accommodating in Krasnodar, so that's that's huge, that's cool. And uh, every, you know, banners on the streets, like we have uh, graffiti on uh, buildings, and that's that's beautiful about about Spain team, I mean. And they just played yesterday uh, via Tunisia, probably, and quite boring match, but... But that was nice, you know. Well, it's quite complicated because, you know, to to have a ticket. I was going to, but it's like you you cannot just pay and go. You you should win quite like a lottery. So yeah. it it is it it doesn't work for me. So I, I'm not going. But it would be cool. Because, you know, uh, Arsenal was in Moscow and I visited this match and it was beautiful. So international football is much, much more interesting than local championship, you know. <laughs> it is. Um, just quickly, where do, you, where do you place Russia in this tournament, mate? Oh, you know, like a Russian guy, I should say, like... A, quarterfinal but like a like a normal normal thinking guy <laughs> i'm i'm pretty <laughs> sure we we're not gonna go f- out from group stage you know oh you're not putting them through the group no no mm. maybe maybe just because of judges you know maybe maybe referee is gonna help us but but you know uruguay is a quite good and Saudi Arab- Arabia, I'm not sure how to pronounce it in English, but they are they are quick and uh, fast, and they're gonna play us out, you know. So I'm not sure about our good <clears throat> good winning. Yep, yep. No, I think I. Um, I can't remember, but I I didn't know we we're gonna have a Russian on the podcast. I think I absolutely rode the Russians off when we we're doing our predictions. So. <laughs> Um, who do you, who's well, not, who, not every fan is as deluded as our Australian Tazir. Socceroos, mate. They'll be straight through, boys. Look out for them. And Chile. Oh, USA. They might be there, too. Um, well, we, we drew with France yesterday. Can oh, someone explain that to me on, some way? Come on. Get off it. Get off it. Um, get off what? Well, none of the players had more than 10 caps on them, and they did a number on uh, arguably the strongest French team that we've seen in the last 15 years. Someone put this bloke out of his miseries, would they? Go on, Tony. Why, why, why did USA get a result against France? Yeah, strange things happen in football, but I know if it was a World Cup, I know who my money would be on. <laughs> Um, I'm telling you, they're going to be a disappointment this summer. Everyone's on the on the France bandwagon, and uh, I, I don't think they'll do much. I think Germany are the disappointment. I reckon they'll have a fucking, oh fuck off. I, I reckon they'll have a busted ass of a fucking tournament. Um, 
Oh, fuck off. <laughs> okay, um, well, that's our live questions, and that was absolutely fucking brilliant because it went for about half an hour. So um, anybody can ring in live on a podcast. We're going to try and do this next uh, season, obviously. So you can add us on Skype at clockend. Um, where am I? Clockend talk at gmail.com. Um, we'll, share the, we'll share the group around a bit, um, the Skype group on Twitter. Um, and you can follow us there at clockend underscore talk. But um, I just think it gives a, a new perspective on things and having, having these guys come in and talk football is absolutely brilliant. So um, thanks, guys, for joining us. And, uh, yeah, good luck with everything. And uh, good luck, Tim, over there in Russia. Um, Addy, I'm sure we'll get a um, uh, top top four or, or top two for you, mate. That would be really good. And... Texas Gooner, thank you as well, mate. Thanks, boys. Shout out to 22 Gun Salute blog as well for Texas Gooner, who's just started a new blog. So go follow him on there on Twitter. Yep, excellent. What was that again? At 22 Salute. 22 Gun Salute blog, something like that. You'll you'll find us retweeting it anyway, and I'm sure Texas Gooner at the Texas Gooner can can also tweet it out for others to follow. No worries. Okay, thank you. Okay, so that was brilliant there from our live callers, a couple of the live questions. So um, we'll get into some other questions because people who couldn't make the live chat um, actually wrote some questions in. Sandeep was going to hit us up on Skype, but uh, I think Sandeep is in Australia, so it is 1.30am here, so the poor bastard's probably having a sleep. Um, but he did did ask Tony, um, yeah, would love to call in today. Unfortunately, I've had a long day getting concerned about rumours that Ramsey might not stay. Is there a chance that Jack will stay um, or will he move to another club? Also, it looks like we may not be in the market for a goalkeeper. Um, Alisson wants to go now to Real Madrid and Leno wants to go to Napoli. Um, so I'll start off with Ramsey. I, I have no idea. The agency thing's sorted now, so I, I, I know Sandeep listens regularly, but for anyone who hasn't, I, I thought all along the agency story was just an excuse from Ramsey. Yeah. Uh, now we'll see if it was or not, because that agency thing's all sorted. I think it was on the 1st of June it was sorted. Uh, there's reports of a 200-plus grand a week contract on offer for him. Um, so we'll see, if, we'll see what happens there. Jack, I don't know. Um, again, there's, there's been fresh press reports that Juventus have offered him the same money as Arsenal have, or a tiny bit more. Um, obviously, then there'd, plus there'd be a signing on fee. Uh, again, I, I was always under the impression that Jack was going to have final talks with Unai Emery. Um, just about, from what I understand, that the money is okay, but he wants to, he wants playing time, or he wants to know how much he's in the plans in terms of playing time. So I was under the impression he's going to have a talk with Emery when they're both back from holiday, mm-hmm. and and go from there. It makes that's sense. The last yeah, yeah, it does make sense. That's that's the last I've heard on it. Yeah. That could all be nonsense, but that's as far as I know. Um, so yeah, Jack Ramsey, uh, Leno. Oh, Leno. It's a weird Leno, one yeah. because there's reports. There's reports going around saying he's agreed everything with Napoli, um, but they've not agreed with Leverkusen. But he has a buyout clause and quite a low buyout clause, so it would seem strange if that's the case. Uh, Completely possible, but it, it would just be weird. Um, I, I don't know if them re, uh, reports are premature or if whether he has. Uh, his agent said a few weeks ago that he'd completely ruled Napoli out. 
that doesn't mean anything. That means he wanted to get Napoli to hurry up or to offer slightly more money. Um, so I wouldn't take that as, as saying that he's definitely not going to Napoli. But then there's also very strong reports linking um, linking Napoli with Salvatore Sirigu, who is a, an Italian keeper who is at Torino, I believe. He's somewhere in Syria. Um, so it's all, all over the place. There's a lot of people playing games, um, agents playing games, clubs playing games. So it's it's hard to it's hard to know. But I mean, I believe they still are in for Leno. I, I don't know if we still are. Uh, I would imagine that we need a first choice keeper. But given Czechna number one, does that signify that they're, they're happy with him being the keeper? Um, I, I don't know. I'm just looking at um, uh, Napoli's keeper. So is he on the way out? Is he? Is it still was it still Rayner? Yeah, Rayner. Yeah. So yeah. how old so, I mean, is he been... now? Uh, oh, I mean, he's got to be. He's, he's thirty-five. There you go. Yeah, but for a keeper, I don't know. That's, that's not crazy old, but it's. I mean, look, they've been strongly linked with a keeper for whatever reason. So, mm. um, it is what it is on that. But as I said, they've been linked with a lot, so I don't know how to really read into it with, with Leno. As I said, there's there's games going from going all around from clubs, from agents, from both buying and selling clubs, releasing stories. So it is a bit of a minefield. I'll just touch quickly. You did mention Allison, and uh, you didn't really mention it, but I. I, I couldn't see Arsenal ever going for Allison anyway. I think he'd be oh, ridiculous money. Yeah, he's holding out for Real Madrid and uh, what seventy-five million or something he'd be worth, wouldn't it? That's another strange one. I, I forgot about it. That's why I didn't get onto it because for for at least six months now, it's it's sort of been unwritten that Courtois is going to end up at Real Madrid. He's, he's stalled on his Chelsea contract so many times. Um, but I don't know if that was a Zidane thing or if it was uh, someone higher up at Real Madrid and if things have changed. Mm. Um, there's not been huge links recently um, mm. between Madrid and, and, and Courtois. But then look, there is a World Cup going on and all of these players are... Well, it's not going on yet, obviously, but all of these players are, are there. Um, so I think the story with top-end goalkeepers, uh, barring maybe Oblak, uh, still has a long way to run. I don't think they're going to be resolved quickly because there's going to be quite a lot of teams requiring keepers by the looks of things. Um, I, I don't think Allison would achieve up to 75 million. I think he'd, because because there's not much money in Italy, uh, players are worth less, pretty much. Um, so I think 50 million would probably get him. I don't think he's on the radar for Arsenal at all. I'm not trying to link him with us. Yeah, but yeah. I think 50, 50 million would probably get him. Yeah, yeah. Okay, um, uh, Schwinn, now I'm starting down from our Twitter, I'm going from the bottom up, boys. Um, Arsenal Till I Die, predicted 11 for the first game of the season. Wow, that's a big, uh, um, give us something, Schwinn. I'll go Leno in goal because I do think we'll go in for a goalkeeper and at this stage, it seems like uh, he is the favourite, which is saying something because... As Tony just said, there's not been a whole lot to the story, but I don't think there's any other goalkeeper that figures as closely. Uh, starting with the defense, Hector Bellerin, Mustafi, Soyuncu, and Kolasinac in midfield, Gran Xhaka, and a new center mid, because I, I do still think Aaron Ramsey will be, will be off 
Uh, although there is some positive uh, news coming out from his camp, particularly, I think he was spotted in L.A. recently saying that he's excited to come back. But let's be honest, what else is he going to say? Uh, moving up, I'm not sure who who, we, who Aaron Ramsey will be replaced by. Uh, there's there's links, but nothing concrete. So I'll leave that position unnamed. Uh, and moving up, the the four players we have, uh, Mkhitaryan, Mesut Ozil, Aubameyang on the left, and Lacazette uh, up top. Uh, Tony, you want to have a step? Yeah, so I'm a slightly different formation in the, as I said earlier, um, I think we'll go with a flat three. So I think the back four will be, uh, keeper, I'm going to go with Czech. I want us to sign a new keeper, but I, I don't know if we will. Um, so if I go Czech, Hector, Nacho, Socrates, Kaglar, um, then I would go Xhaka, Ramsey, Torreya, Ozil, Lacazette, Aubameyang. No Mkhitaryan and no Klosnac. No, I mean for me, I don't think that I don't think Kolasinac is an issue. I think the shape potentially could be different, and the other centre back. Um, I, I think Socrates will will definitely be one of them. Um, I've said Kaglar because I. I think we will sign him. I could be wrong, mm. but I don't know. I wouldn't be surprised if that's Socrates and Mustafi and we, and we defend deep um, because if they, I think them two could complement each other because neither are the quickest. So you, there's no, you can't afford to defend high up. You have to defend sort of on the edge of your area or, or 20 to 25 yards out. Um, so I think them two, despite not having a yard of pace between them could complement each other. Yeah. Okay. Um, Hack on Larson, he, he asked and we touched on it already. Thoughts on Ramsey? Uh, looks like he's staying. Um, you touched on that, didn't you, Tony? Uh, as I said, I don't know. I just know that the agency thing's sorted now and there's fresh reports of a contract. But we've got to remember in, in January, Jack was definitely, according to the press and all the reports, in January, Jack was definitely going to stay. In, and in March he was definitely going to go, and then in April again he was definitely going to stay, and now he's definitely going to go again. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't just because there's been reports of a new contract uh, offered with with higher wages, I wouldn't automatically link that to. Um, it looks like he's going to stay. I don't, I don't know if he will, but yeah. I wouldn't just say because there's reports of there that, that it means he's staying. Yeah. yeah. Um... Hack on Larson, he says, if we don't make the Champions League in the next two to three years, will Emery get fired? Uh, he thinks so. Schwinn? I would agree. I think the bare minimum, as, as spoken in the previous section when Tony was speaking to Addy, was a Champions League qualification. I know a lot of fans want more, and I know a lot of fans will be will be happy, satisfied. Not happy, satisfied with Champions League qualification. Not even two, three years. I think uh, this year in particular, this upcoming season will be crucial. Again, we spoke about this a couple of episodes ago where we said we want to see some progression in the in the football and in the, in the culture as well. So some intangibles as well. But at the end of the day, the season will be will be judged on, on what accolades we have we have achieved and Champions League success or well, Champions League qualification is pretty much number one on, on all Arsenal fans' list. So I think this season will will lay down the path of, of where we're headed. And if we don't qualify for Champions League this season, I think the next season will will probably be it, considering we've also given him a two-year contract. So that, that has to be the short-term plan for success. 
Um, Tony, you agree? Um, yeah, I think he can get away with this year with not qualifying for the Champions League as long as things are, are progressive and look like they're going in the right direction. Um, but the year after, I think if he doesn't make Champions League, then then he's off. I know Schwinn just touched on the two-year contract. I know there are initial reports for two plus one. I, I'm, I've also heard reports since that that's not true. So I don't know if he has a two-year contract or if it's a straight three. I'm not 100%. Um, but I think regardless, if he doesn't make it in two years, unless the footballing improves dramatically um, and we just for some reason wildly unlucky or we win other trophies but don't make it into the Champions League, um, then, yeah, I think if he doesn't achieve anything in two years, then he's off. OK, gee, huge. He also um, mentions, Tony, you got any news on Torreira for us? Um, we touched on that a fair bit throughout the podcast. Um, hack on Larson, hack on Larson again. If Griezmann goes to Barcelona, will that start a domino effect with a few players across Europe? Well, I, I personally think so. Uh, Tony? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm assuming just because it's coming from an Arsenal fan, this question's angling towards Dembele. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know if it's going to cause that, but I think the market's always started by one big move because then someone else has money to spend and they want to imp- replace or improve and then it all it all goes from there. So I, I do think that could start a merry-go-round, so to speak. I think the issue is with it, I, I, I believe, I read a headline, I don't know, I didn't read, so I don't know if there's quotes, but I read that Griezmann said that his future will be decided this week. If that's the case, the merry-go-round, even though it would usually cause it, could be stalled a little bit because the World Cup will be on. And these big transfers won't go ahead when the World Cup's on. So Griezmann could compete before the World Cup if he goes to Barcelona. And then a merry-go-round will be caused after the World Cup because you're not going to get these 70 million-plus transfers happening while there's a World Cup in place. Um, but, yeah, I, th- I think it w- if Griezmann goes, um, it will cause uh, a merry-go-round to start. It's just when it starts. Just um, you're talking about reports and, and, and you know, he's got to make a decision this week. It was, I'd seen, also seen a report or a media thing saying something about um, Messi's came out and said, you know, if we want to be, we, if we want to win Champions League football next uh, season, we need to sign Griezmann. Do you actually, do you think a, a player of Messi's calibre would have a say like that at Barcelona? Uh, yeah, probably. Yeah. Messi seems to, to, to do pretty much as and when he pleases and you could see that as a criticism, but, I mean, he's kind of earned the right oh, to. Oh, he can do what he wants, I think, but, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know how true it is, but uh, it, Argentina had a friendly called off against um, against Israel yesterday, and apparently it's because Messi said, I don't want to go to Israel because of the issue with Palestine. Yeah, right. So they can't the whole friendly. That just kind of shows the level of the guy. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, he does, he does ha- have a huge influence because, the, let's be honest, to keep... Barcelona are always going to be at their best if they have a happy Messi. So if a happy Messi involves spending 100 million on Griezmann, as as the Barcelona hierarchy, you would do it. Yeah. So I, I believe he does. I don't. Look, he doesn't directly have a say, but you do whatever you can to keep a player like that happy. And if that's what it's going to take, especially if you've got the money, then then you go and do it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I don't know if the yeah. reports are true, but I just I I thought oh, it was interesting that he said that. So if 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 he did say that, I'd imagine. Yeah. Um, Red Fulcrum, for you, Schwinn, 
not Arsenal-related question, but what's the reason behind the treatment towards uh, Sterling from a certain British media? Um, I should have probably gone to Tony, because you may not have heard. I don't know, you might have, Schwinn. Um, they need to be more grateful with what they have in certain part of the world football with half the ability Sterling is considered a saver, a saviour. Forget forget being nice because he's a good player. I mean, I, I did see what happened, and of course, we're talking about the sun here. Okay. I mean, this this is this is barbaric behavior. You know, the 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 relentlessness with which they've they've pursued him uh, for the most trivial things, non-issues, not even trivial things, non-issues. You know, the the, the tattoo thing obviously uh, caused a bit of a stir. And before that, we've seen for, you know, for a long period of time, more than a year, perhaps, or, you know, since his Liverpool days, he's he's been targeted unfairly. And, you know, obviously, Sterling doesn't seem to get bothered, but it's 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 an indication of of a bigger issue, um, particularly in the West uh, these days where there is a lot of racial hatred and that's what it comes down to because when you see a pattern emerge over over a period of time it's pretty clear that this is a racist issue there there's really not a whole lot else to it and it's it's despicable behavior there's there's obviously no reason ever to to target someone because of their skin color and uh, whether they're talented whether they're they're not whether they can speak whether they can't you know there, there's no reason to resort to such behavior and uh, it's it's unfair. Uh, I'm sure there's nice people that work at the Sun. I, obviously, I'm not I'm not saying I know them personally, but uh, I would imagine that is the case. And because of such publications, there the whole everyone involved with the organization is you know being pulled through through mud. So it's unfortunate. It's a consequence of today's world. And all I can say is that I hope it uh, you know we see the end of it very soon. Is it still happening over there, Tony? It's not. Uh, it's not constant, so it's hard to say if it's still, still happening because before the tattoo, you hadn't there hadn't been anything for a while, yeah. and and then and then the tattoo incident happened and it, and it came back again with full force. So it's not like every day. Look, I, I think it's nonsense. I'm, I'm not trying to defend the sun at all. I, I, I think it's virgin on bullion, but um, it's hard to say if it's ever stopped. You don't know. There may never be anything again, and then obviously you would say yes, it's stopped, but there could be something that happens tomorrow and. And it and it all crops up again. So uh, I wouldn't really like to say whether it's whether it's stopped or not. What's the story with that fucking paper? Like, do they just thrive on negative headlines, like people for the clicks and do people buy that fucking thing or what? I mean, that's just British press altogether, pretty much. Yeah. Uh, I wouldn't say it's just the Sun. The Sun, look, the Sun is our best-selling newspaper, regardless. Uh, even like, even though they still won't buy it in Liverpool due to them blaming the club for, or the fans for um, Hillsborough. Yep. So even without, I think, was it the fourth biggest city in England? It's still the, the biggest selling paper. So they don't overly need to, to go in like this on one player to do it. So I, I don't really know the reasons behind it. Um, and I, I wouldn't like to say what the issue is with, with the Sun. But it is, as I said, it's, it's a joke. It's embarrassing. It's, it's 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 bang out of order, really. But yeah. then that's that's the press. That's I think. the press selling papers and doing what they do. Yeah, I mean, look, I think they I don't think their readership would have gone up massively because of the story of Sterling having a gun tattoo. Um, yeah. So it's not even like 
they may have got a couple of more, not, not I mean, I'll say we probably got a couple of more thousand readers, but I think the paper's like 25p, I don't know. So it's not like they make vast amounts more money from it. It's just, I, I don't know why they do it. Mm. Um, Grubby journalism. I mean, I don't know if you know the full history on it, but they've, they criticised him for, for buying an expensive house. They criticised him for buying an expensive car. They criticised him for getting a cheap flight on EasyJet for like £70. They criticised him for shopping him in Primark. So he's literally been criticised on both ends of the, the, the scale. He's yeah. been criticised for spending too much, and then he's been criticised for not spending enough. It is a personal, it seems, a personal vendetta, and I don't know what it is. I don't even want to bring race into it because there's other players that, that don't get that. Um, that negativity um, it, it seems it's a personal crusade against Raheem Sterling I, I, I don't know what the reason is I, I severely hope it's nothing to do with race and as I said I think there's a lot more players that would get a lot more negative press if it was down to rape, uh, rape, race yeah, yeah, um, um, so yeah as I said I, I don't know what the reason is but it is, it is shameful really yeah. um, where am I up to uh on Larson, he's fired another one in. Um, now we talked about uh, Toor. Oh, fucking hell, I'm, I'm, I'm done, boys. Uh, <laughs> we talked about Toore. Um, <laughs> fucking hell. <laughs> uh, are we moving towards a four-three-three formation? Well, that's yeah. It's pretty much what you you mentioned, Tony. How you'd like your midfield set up. Or he's saying, uh, would, would you play Ramsey Ramsey in the midfield? No, so, I, I'm I mean, trying to work this out. Hang on. That is balanced. Taz has lost the plot here, oh, listeners. It's fucking like 2 a.m. in the morning. On, uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> that is a balanced midfield. Ozil, Abamyang, Lacazette in front of them. Uh, that is not bad at all. We'll be interested to see what happens to our defence. If we if we play um, Torre, are we moving to a towards a four three three formation? Shaka, Torre, Ramsey, Ramsey, or will Torre play with Ramsey in the midfield? Uh, so obviously, I've been saying throughout this pod that if if he does sign, I would expect us to go to a flat three if Ramsey is to to hang around. Um, that's that's how I would expect us to to set up. I hadn't seen this question. Um, I haven't seen any of the questions because I don't look at them until we record. But uh, he's pretty much echoed what I've said throughout the throughout the show is that I believe we'd go, it'd give Ramsey a bit more license. Not that he needs license, he roams wherever he wants anyway, but it'd give him a bit more license to roam knowing he's got two players sitting behind him. Um, in terms, we wouldn't lose much in creativity because they could, Xhaka and Torreira would both be able to to create from deep. And then you'd, you'd have Ramsey as, as a, a man and then Ozil fluttering about um you may lack a little, little bit of whip or quite a lot of whip, um, but there's going to be pluses and negatives to every formational system. Yeah, no worries. Yeah, I'm more fucked up, Schwinn. I've got the fucking flu happening, mate. It's getting colder here. Fucking need a cup of tea, mate. <laughs> a couple more questions to go, boys. Um, Glenn Baxter, yeah, fuck off, Glenn. You're a fucking clown. <laughs> Talking about Shaka again, that bloke. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Vish, uh, Tony, why, why is um, I have to go to Tony? Sorry, Schwinn, because he's he's wondering why um, Socrates signings taking so long. 
to be unveiled or unveiled? Um, as I said, I, I believe it's something to do with the stock market. Um, Schwinn may be better placed to answer this as an honorary German. I mean, he says we when he talks about the German national team. So how's your stock market work, Schwinn? <laughs> I, I'm going to ignore that question for now since Nadal is on championship point. Come back to me next week. <laughs> <laughs> well, Schwinn, you can answer the second part of the question. Um, with the news of Napoli being advanced talks with Eileen, we mentioned this. No, that was another one with Alison. Also, with news of Napoli being in advanced talks with Leno, uh, who will Arsenal turn to resolve our goalkeeping problems? We, we did talk about Leno uh, yeah. a couple of questions ago. I'll just look and scroll. Uh, I don't know. Uh, I really don't know uh, who we're going to turn to. I, I mean, I even threw Leno out just because that's the only name I've heard. And as I mentioned, uh, I don't necessarily believe you're very close with him uh, in terms of signing him. It, look, there's there's so many different options with, with Sven in mind because some of the players we've been linked with, whether it's Adli or Torreira, any of these players, you'd never imagine us being linked with them under Arsene. So all all the players that are mainstream, I automatically just count them out because of the price tag associated with them. I feel like we will go for value, as, as Tony pointed out a couple of episodes ago, that that seems to be Sven's shtick. And with that in mind, there, there's quite a few goalkeepers we could pursue. Uh, we'd also want someone who's good with their feet, as pointed out earlier. And Czech just doesn't cut the mustard when it comes to that. So I do believe that we will go in for a goalkeeper who probably will be one of the younger ones, can be coached by Czech and you know slowly brought into to, into the main fray of things at Arsenal with the help of Czech and, and some of the other players around. But to give a name at this stage is rather impossible. No, it's hard. I, um, Matt Ryan, that's one name I can think of. Socceroos goalkeeper. Of course. <laughs> that's a name Fre- I can fucking pronounce, boys. Matt Ryan. <laughs> what a fucking name, lads. <laughs> <laughs> if it were up to you, we'd probably have Tim Cahill playing in goal and heading everything out. Oh, I don't care as long as it's fucking name that like John Smith or something, you know, some cunt can fucking pronounce. <laughs> <laughs> um, Tony, Leno, yeah, you got another goalkeeper in mind? No, we've not really been from from the top of my head. We've not really been linked with anyone. I think there's been reports about um, Lafont, who's I think 19 now. Uh, plays for Toulouse in France and I think he's made on 98 um, what's the Ligue 1 caps at, at the age of 18 or 19 um, there's been a lot of talk about him for, for a lot of clubs just more for the potential that, that he gives rather than I think he's at a decent enough level now but obviously being 18, 19 it, 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 there's a lot of room for improvement as well but he's the only one I've really seen linked and it's not been strong linked so, I don't know. Is that an option? It fits the model. But I don't know. It is strange that we've not been, considering it would seem to most fans, it's a position we're crying out for. We've not been heavily linked with, with anyone, really. What happened that, who was that bloke in the, um, we were linked to him earlier. Oh, shit. In the French League and they got relegated. What was his name? You mean the German League and Team Born? No, no, no. Um, no. Oh, yeah, Horn. It might have been. 
German League, sorry, yeah. Not yeah. linked to him no more? No, so he was only ever looked at by a lot of clubs because he had a really, really low release clause, uh, relegation release clause, mm. but he's chosen not to uh, activate it. So it's not uh, it's no longer on the on the table. Uh, he would cost a, a normal fee. Which, what, do you uh, mean, what do you mean he's got to activate it? Well, it's the contract is between him and the club. Ah, right, uh, so he, he can say well, about it. Yeah, so basically all, all release clauses is obviously it's in a contract between the player and the club. Yeah. So if the player says, I want to ignore that clause, they can. Mm. Which is pretty much what's happened. I'm not sure if he actually signed a new contract to remove the clause. Uh, I know when it was first reported, he hadn't. He just said he didn't want the clause to be activated. He may have since signed a new contract, which gets rid of the clause, but I'm not 100%. Or, or uh, makes the clause a lot higher. But I, I don't know. Mm. As far as I know, he hasn't signed a new contract. It's just he told them that he doesn't want them to activate the clause. I'm just looking at who Dortmund's got. We seem to link everyone to Dortmund at the moment. Was oh, Zen there? He's all. He's he's oh, wonderful. Right. Anyone else year. in the German league? Nobody. Uh, oh, sorry. We have been linked with, um, but I think it was more of from their side than ours. We've been linked with Jasper Sillenson, who's um, at Barcelona. Uh, he's Barcelona's second choice. Oh, I'll be yeah, honest. Every time. Yeah. Every time I've seen him, I've, I thought he was awful, if I'm honest. Maybe I haven't seen enough of him or I've just seen him on bad days. Mm. But um, uh, we were linked with him. Apparently, there was a report came out in Spain that Barcelona wouldn't accept less than his release clause, which is 50 million. There's absolutely no way anyone's going to pay 50 million for anyone's subkeeper. Yeah. And um, there is uh, 100% if Barcelona were offered, were offered 30, they would take it. Um, but I, I don't believe we're in for him anyway. It's going to be interesting. I don't know what to do. So Leno or nobody, boys? Uh, look, we never know. As I said, a lot of these deals are being uh, conducted behind closed doors and, and, and out of the view of the public. So it could be a case that we're, we're days away from signing someone and we just don't know about it yet. Mm. All Black's definitely out. Actually, I can't see us spending that money. And I, would, I think if, anyone, if he goes anywhere, it'll be PSG. But it's all, again, it depends on the release clause. Because if he's happy there, they'll... He'll take that out of the contract because if they're getting 100 million for Griezmann, they don't particularly need the money. And their keeper was PSG. Who their keeper was on the outer two, weren't they? Oh well, no, they got um, Areola. I think that's how you say it. I, I again, I don't particularly rate him, but he's their first choice keeper, and their second choice keeper is the one that's uh, just kept Leno out of the Germany squad. Who again, I don't rate. I don't rate yeah, Trap at all. Trap, yeah, but, I don't rate him. Uh, he's PSG's second choice. I think they paid quite a bit for him and expected him to. To, to be, do quite well and then he made some high profile mistakes in his first few games mm. and he's never never really um, got back in interesting okay um, so that's all we've got oh, Jonas mentioned um, Jonas82 he did mention Fellaini to Arsenal as much as I don't want him there uh, can you see this happening and would you like to see this happening we did touch on that in our first segment so no point rehashing over that one. Um, I think that's all the questions, boys. Is that all you can see? Uh, I can't see any because I'm not looking. So. Okay, I think that's about it. Um, just quickly before we go, uh, World Cup, you boys still happy with what you went there? You're still not leaning towards the Socceroos? Uh, I still think you're going out in the group. <laughs> um, Schwinn, how's your German team going to go, mate? 
Ah, they're looking good. They're fine. They're a fine old <laughs> machine. I have no worries. We are doing very well. <laughs> we. <laughs> oh, fuck me. <laughs> um, okay, thank you for listening. Thank you for downloading. Um, we're going to be on next Sunday, so we will be into the World Cup at that stage. I'm hoping Gimli can pop on because we've, pop- we've asked him a few times now. What, what games are on? Because my participation is game dependent. Ah, yes, true. As in, Um, it's not going to be recording at a time when there's, like, Spain-Portugal or something. No, no, no. So what's the date of that? That's... uh, Spain-Portugal is on Friday, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, yeah, uh, that was just the first game that came into my head. Let me see. I've got a little uh, thing that I downloaded off Twitter. Yeah, Uh, no, I think we're pretty good because all the games don't fall in line with my time. There'll definitely be a game on Sunday. uh, So one... Germany, Mexico's at four, and it's now five here. So an hour, we'd be an hour into that, and I'd kind of like to watch that. Yep. Well, we won't be. We right. Won't be we on. got Costa Rica, Serbia that day, so we can maybe start recording during during kickoff of that and finish by the time Germany kicks off. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, even Saturday, we got Nigeria, no. Iceland. Now I want to watch that one. Well, it's France. Saturday we so start early. Yeah. And then Argentina, who I'd like to watch, yeah. and then the Peru. The Peru is a huge game in your group, Freeze, and then Croatia's period very late one as well. So yeah. yeah, Saturday would be hard. Okay, well we'll be back at the end of the World Cup because we just can't take the time <laughs> to do a podcast in between these games. Um, there'll be something, that, even if it's Monday or something. Japan. Well, Friday, Friday's not too bad if we do because Morocco versus Iran is at four, and I said that's an hour ago from now. And I'm not going to pretend that's highest on my list of priorities. Uh, France, Peru at 1am. I wouldn't mind tuning into that one. But I can yeah, your time zone. I'm, I'm yeah, just ignoring where your times yeah, are. Yeah, France, Peru is at 1am here. Um, and that's a very important game for my group. But I'll, I can tune that on in the background. And, yeah, we'll uh, sort it out. Anyway. Yeah, we'll sort we'll it out. We'll be on the weekend. Yep, yep, yep. Okay, so you can follow us at... <laughs> that's just us planning ahead, see? We do all that shit in front of you people. Um, <laughs> Exhilarating listening, isn't it? <laughs> oh, that's great. Uh, so anyway... Well, if they're you... making live calls, they need to know when we're on, don't they? Yeah, it's true. true. Yeah, you, even we don't know when we're going to be on. Oh, that's the right. thing, though. The, yeah. This podcast just popped up out of nowhere, so... <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we yeah I think we're, we're basically doing, doing this. Morning ...and saw a tweet from Gimli saying we're recording today. I didn't know anything about it. So this is this whole podcast, if you liked it, is down to Gimli. If you didn't, then again, blame Gimli. <laughs> <laughs> Righto, boys. Thank you. And we'll speak you next week, some stage, some time. Adios. Bye-bye. <laughs>